Thank you, Brenda. Because Brenda suggested that we read those three verses each week. We've been reading them out loud. Now, you're going to see on your handout tonight that there's an expanded version of yeah. Ephesians 6, yeah. 10, 10 through 12. And the reason that there's an expanded version of that is because we are about to embark on the reality of how Satan operates after we had looked at his names and the meaning of his names last week. And we're going to be embarking on really how he operates, his tactics, and who he is after, or whom. I never get that right, who or whom. But he's after us, and he has a purpose in mind. And so tonight, we must start allowing ourselves to think about verses 13 through 18 because we have to understand the practical how to put on the full armor of God. And so over the next three weeks tonight and the, and the next two weeks after that at least, we are going to roll up our sleeves and start dealing with not the theoretical, but the actual how to put on the full armor of God. What is it? How do we put it on? Because often when we do Bible studies, we end with the theory and then we walk out the door, don't we? And then we don't even deal with it until something comes up. Ah! I need some help. And so I, we're going to get... It's, and it's really simple, but it's not easy. It's kind of like coming to Christ. It's really simple, the truth of the gospel. But it's not easy for many. So, what I'd like, reader, okay. what I'd like is I would like you to stand and we're going to follow along, not read it out loud because it's a lot to read out loud together. Would you just read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18? And I want you to focus, we've been really focused on those first three verses, but I really want you to focus on the words as Susan reads this entire section of scripture, if you would. Okay. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil, the devil, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the things. Amen. So we're adding the full armor of God in this 
uh, in these scriptures so that we can begin to understand now how we're going to look into in a practical way, not a theoretical, you'll hear me say that a lot over the next couple of weeks, a very practical how-to way. How do we do this? It becomes very important, otherwise it becomes theory, and we don't know how, and your life is affected in terms of spiritual warfare, the battles that are going to go on. Now last week, we looked at ten names for Satan, remember? And we said that his names are important, all biblical names are important, because names in this culture, in this time especially, and still in other parts of the world, really mean something. And so, we look at the names of Satan, and I ask you to think about Satan's names and what they mean as we went through the definition, the biblical definition of the meaning of the names. And we're going to do that again, but very briefly, but I want you to, I'm going to give you some instruction, okay? So we're going to do it this way tonight. We're not going to use... Satan's names, the ten names that we used last week. We're not going to do that. What I want you to do is I want you to think about the baseline that we just read from Ephesians chapter 6 and in terms of putting on the full armor of God. I want you to think about the armor of God. And I want you to think about the spiritual war that is going on around you. Not the one that you're that you're looking at in the newspaper and on 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 Fox and CNN. That's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spiritual war that affects you personally, that impacts you personally. I want you to think about things that have been happening in your life that could possibly be rooted in spiritual warfare and I want you then to consider your life I want you to I want you to I just want you to personalize this as I speak the truth of what we learned just last week without using any of the enemy's names at all okay so I want you to take it personally and I want you to be able to apply it when you hear it in this context. Alright? You ready? It's personal. You ready? Smile. <laughs> okay. I'm confused. What are you confused about? Ask me a question. What do you want to do? I want you to do I'm asking you to do three things. I'm asking you to think about the scriptures in Ephesians 6 that are talking about putting on the lights putting on putting on the full armor of God I want you to think about the scripture that Susan just read secondly I want you to both make it and take it personally do not think with what I'm about to read to you from my notes. Do not think about it being out there someplace, what I'm about to say. I want you to take it and make it personal. That's all I want you to do. Thinking about what I'm about to say 
in the context of putting on the full armor of God, which you may not even know how to do yet. Okay? That's what I'm asking you to do. Don? Bill, are you, are you asking us to... This is what I'm hearing. You're saying, how is the spirit of darkness attacking my faith and my... Is that... That's what I'm asking you to do. Okay. I'm asking it in your life right now. Make it and take it personal. Mm-hmm. This spiritual battle in the context of what I'm about to say. Because this is a review of what we looked at last week. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it to you without using any of the names of Satan that we went over in detail last week. Personalize this. Got it? All right. Spiritually, you'll get it. Spiritually, you have an adversary. One who opposes every godly thing you do. He opposes your very existence. He slanders you. He defames you. He misrepresents you. And he attempts to discredit you always. He attempts to present himself as the sun of the morning or the morning star or the shining light or the prince of peace as he comes to you. Because that's his attempt to lull you into the darkness. He rules over every demon and every demonic activity. And he is the false god of all worthlessness, lawlessness, and wickedness. Absolute corruption is the basis from which he applies his tactics to devour you. He distorts, he entices, he provokes, he seduces and he incites and he persuades you in all wrongdoing. And He is the mastermind behind every false world system, every false world religion, every false school of thought. And he is in charge of and the mastermind of the entire secular world. It's all under his control. He is the master of all false accusations. He is so desirous of stealing your joy 
that he believes that he can successfully stand before God the Father and accuse you without ceasing. And yet, God gave him the name that's your enemy. He gave him the name destruction and ruin and angel of the abyss. Now, without even speaking the name of the enemy himself, do you see his character in those descriptions? Do you see the tactics that he wants to use against us in the description of his names? And do you see his purpose and his methodology in the description of his names? You see, because that's what we spent an hour and a half on last week. Satan, devil, Lucifer, Beelzebub, Goliath, the evil one, the tempter, the prince of this world, the accuser, Abaddon. Ten names of Satan that I just described to you and asked you to think about Ephesians putting on the full armor of God. Do you get it? Do you get why it's so important to understand what the full armor of God is? And how to put it on, and why we should put it on. Because the spiritual battles that we've been talking about, the war that we know is already won, because we fight from what? From it. We fight from victory, these battles. Because they're coming, they're coming every day. I had a particularly fabulous day yesterday. I don't know about you. Today wasn't half bad either. But yesterday was just one of those spectacular days where it seemed like the Lord just opened every door. Incredible things happened that I was I just was aware of and a part of yesterday. It was a pretty incredible day. Do you know how the enemy feels about that? And <laughs> not want a happy camp. Or feels about you personally. I asked you to personalize it. Why? Why do you suppose I asked you to personalize the description of the ten names of Satan that we looked at last week? That's all I did. All I did was reread what we talked about last week, which is the meaning of his names. All biblical. Every bit of it out of Scripture. Not a word of it not coming from Scripture. All true. Why did I ask you to take it personally? So we know our enemy. So we know our enemy. If we are going to start by identifying, A, what the full armor of God is, we had darn well, darn well better figure out who it is that God is protecting us against. Amen? Amen? So how has spiritual warfare affected your life? Are you falling victim in any way to the prince 
that masquerades as the Prince of Peace, but is really the Prince of this fallen world. Have, have you been thinking about that at all over the last six weeks or so? Really? You can verbalize it. It's okay. It's hard though, huh? It's really hard to verbalize what's been happening in my life that is rooted in, in real, evil, spiritual warfare. Why is, it, why is it hard to talk about that? Why is it hard to even identify? Right. I said I had a terrific day yesterday. Right. <laughs> I had a terrific day yesterday. The day before, not so much. I could list ten things that happened the, the previous day. Maybe it was because the evil one didn't want me to have such a great day yesterday. I don't know. Maybe it was about discouragement. I don't know. Why is it hard to talk? Personalize this. Why? A lot of times people don't believe. They don't want to think about that. So if you say something about it, you get food. So the concern is perhaps what somebody else might think about you believing that you are in a battle. Interesting. Could it be because, do you consider the root cause of the things that you're going through during the course of any given day? Do you consider the root cause? I mean, especially if they're wicked or, or, or corrupt or lawless. take you to places in the world where if you ask that same question they would look at you like are you out of your mind? <laughs> the spiritual battles are so extreme demonic activity is so intense I mean and that in some places in the world that's the way it is and but we're comfortable and we're we're good and happy, aren't we, Scotty? Aren't we just good and happy? Okay. But you know what I mean. It's very challenging, and what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to convey here is, is that we must understand the nature of the battle, or the enemy has already penetrated your territory. But as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the reason we don't think that way is because we think, I got it. But we learn biblically, we don't got it. Not a one of us has got it. We are totally dependent on God. And in this area, this should be the area that we clearly understand our dependence on God for putting on the full armor of God to be protected against the enemy's schemes because they're so prevalent. 
John. Bill, I'm speaking for myself. I speak for anybody else, but I, I suspect this is probably true. Up until 10 years ago, I was biblically illiterate. And you know, the ignorance will get you killed. And the problem is with me, I mean, I went to, I went to church, you know, I tried to live by the commandments. But because I didn't know the truth, I mean, I wasn't into the word. I wasn't into memorizing verses that, that would that I could, you know, the sword of truth when the devil attacks, that I could attack that. But I think so many people uh, are basically uh, biblically illiterate. They don't know what the truth is because they don't spend any time in, you know, they expect Richie to do it or Bill to do it or, or uh, you know, somebody else and spoon feed them. Paul talked about, you know, babies take milk. You're, you're way beyond that. You need spiritual food. And I, I just think uh, a lot of us are basically lazy when it comes to yeah. getting in the Word. Yeah, amen. And the, the, the first one of the first scripture references references there is, is 2 Peter 1, 3 that says this. So do you believe this, by the way? Do you believe 2 Peter 1, 3 that says this? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge. See, we sometimes stop right there. We sometimes stop at the His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But you see, we... we as is often the case, we have to finish it in order to get the complete context because the rest of it says, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God's glory and goodness. You see, it, it starts getting kind of important when you realize that if we believe that his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through... What? Knowledge. Our knowledge. That's the, that's the Romans 12, 1 and 2 renewing our mind thing again, isn't it? You can't do it without renewing your mind. You can't do it without knowledge because ignorance is exactly what the enemy wants. When you were biblically illiterate, your spiritual battles, even though you weren't probably even aware of it, were so intense and you were struggling through all these issues, and it was, and it was some of it was just ignorance. Some of it was self-induced, where we have to take personal responsibility for it. But a lot of it is ignorance. So do you get the sense that perhaps most of us have been taking this issue a little bit too lightly? But let's be careful, because we can go the other way, too. And we can be so engrossed in all of this that we can blame everything, that the devil is, is in every single thing. Well, theoretically, he yeah. is in this world. But if we're so engrossed in that, that is just as bad as taking this issue lightly. Because what does God want for us? What does God want for you? Peace. What else? What? Peace, joy, love. Through the Spirit. Yeah, through the Spirit. We could go on in terms of what He wants for us. Right? That's what He wants for us. And so if we're so engrossed in spiritual warfare that we, we are not balanced, we don't have any balance in our life. See? But 
And the reason I'm focusing on this tonight is because, you know, just a few weeks ago when we took the survey, we were all honest enough to say, me included, yeah, probably didn't have, because I'm pretty darn comfortable until I'm not. <laughs> and that creates a roller coaster in, the, in our life of faith, in spiritual warfare. So do you believe that your purpose in this life is to glorify God? And do you believe that the enemy is at war with that very purpose? Wow. It's all of a sudden not a game anymore, is it? If my purpose is to glorify God, I don't about you. But when I'm doing that, it's like, that's where my joy comes from. I'm the most joyful I mean, I, like I said, yesterday I had one of those days. It was like, man, it was just a good day. And the enemy is at cross purposes with your very purpose in life. See, because I think if you haven't considered the, the fact that your purpose is to glorify God and that the enemy wants to do everything that he can to get in the way of that, if, if you don't believe that, you're not going to get Ephesians 6. And if we're going to dive in next week, totally in Ephesians 6, in a real practical way, like just like putting on our shoes and socks, it's going to be real how-to. How do we do this? Because Mike asked a question. Remember, remember Mike Bain asked a question last, last week? I got a question. I love that. How do we do that? I love how-to questions because I have a lot of those kinds of questions myself. How do we do that? Because I can, I can learn about it, but it doesn't do any good if I learn about it in theory. If I, don't, if I can't figure out how to do it, if it's not practical, I don't know how to do it. I'm simple. I'm not that, you know, not the sharpest stack in the box, I guess, but... But in any event, it needs to be practical. We have to get this in order for Ephesians 6 to make sense. Because if we don't get it, that means that the enemy has already infiltrated. Right? He has. And we'd be lying, each one of us in this room, if we said that the enemy hasn't infiltrated in some part of our life at some time. I would suggest we'd be lying right now if you said that the enemy hasn't infiltrated in some part of your life this very moment. You're dealing with something where you have allowed the enemy to infiltrate. And sometimes it happens and we don't even know it. <laughs> but it's nothing to be afraid of, right? We're told we're not to fear any of this. Because the victory has been won. But that's not the point. The point is the battles go on. So we can get all caught up in that, can't we? When what God wants for us is love, peace, joy. That's what He wants. But it's stolen. Those things, we get ripped off by your adversary. We're ripped off on a regular basis. So don't take it lightly. You know, Bill, we're really... Where it really hits home, we all have that place in our hearts and our minds where we're really vulnerable. Each one of us does, whether we want to admit it or not. With me, it's a control thing. Because I, for 35 years, my job was to, to solve problems. 
and it's a control thing. And the devil knows where your weakest that weakest point is, and when you're at your most vulnerable, that's when it happens. Amen. Now let's take a look at how he operates. Because we know what his names are, and we know what they mean, and we know that it's not a game. This is really serious, and my guess is, is that every we got to be honest, guys. Every single one of us has allowed things to happen in the spiritual realms that have become battles in our lives. We've allowed those things to happen... And when we're done with this, we're going to know why, and we're going to know what to do about it. That's the point. So that the joy comes back, because you can't touch this. You know, Satan is done. God already gave him the name. Destruction. Not your destruction. His destruction. Complete ruin. He's been completely ruined. He already knows his destiny. Well, I'd be torqued off too if I was him. <laughs> Angel of the abyss. Do you get it? Why he's so adamant about being after you and why the world is in the condition that it's in? My gosh. There's four things that we have to do before we can dive fully into the full armor of God, though, and, and, we, and, 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 and learn this how-to because we have to learn the how-to of putting on the full armor of God. Um, but if we've really decided um, that, that we believe this, anyone? Do you believe it? Well, around here we do, right? I mean, we believe it. So if we've really made that decision, you see, if we really have a desire to have what God has in store for us, which is every spiritual blessing, that's what he wants for us. Well, every spiritual blessing is just exactly the opposite of what Satan is attempting to do in your life. He wants to suck that away from you so that you, you don't have access to it. He can't, but he tries. He tries. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. And if you read that scripture, see, that's Ephesians. That's the first part of Ephesians. You see, because God has already blessed us as believers with every blessing in the heavenly realms. You get the spiritual part of this? Because you live physically, don't you? You live physically, don't you? Do you live spiritually? Come on, Olivia, tell me. Do you live spiritually? Yeah. Of course. Of course. And so, the battle is taking place in the invisible realms, isn't it? There's an invisible world. It's an invisible battle. That's what we've been looking at biblically. In the spiritual, heavenly realms, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Don't forget the small word there. In. I. In. Christ. In Christ. See, that's awesome. Because we're used to the material blessings, aren't we? Ah, material blessing. Corvette's sure nice, isn't it? I like to tease you, you know that. 
we have material blessings. We even pray for material blessings. You see, I think that's part of the problem. We live in a place where we're so materially blessed by God that we, we downplay the spiritual battles that are going on in our life. And then we wonder why things are screwed up in our own lives, personalized. In our own lives. The influences in your life and mine that are evil and lawless are rooted in one thing. Right? Only one thing. What is it? Excuse me? Spiritual warfare. Yeah, spiritual warfare. Satan, the evil one. You know his names. We start with these four things that we have to deal with before we can move on to the spiritual putting on the full armor of God how-to lesson. Four things. I got good news and I got bad news. <laughs> Which do you want to hear first? Which four? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you the bad news. One, Satan attacks God and his program, his church. Two, he attacks God's people. That's us. You and me. You see, it's personal. That's the bad news. That's one and two. Three and four is the good news. Satan's power is completely limited. There is an absolute limit on the power that Satan has. As horrific as all those things seem that we just described that are the definitions of his name, his power is limited. And four, basic biblical truth that we've said multiple times in the last several weeks, and that is we do not fight for the victory. We're fighting the battle from the victory. There is nothing to fear. As horrible as all that stuff is. And as much as we would like all that to be over, there is absolutely nothing to fear. We have to respect this enemy of ours. We have to know the enemy, but fear not. Amen? There's no fear. We can go through all of this and have joy in the midst. Scripture says, Give thanks in all circumstances. I don't care what Satan's trying to do. You can't, can't touch that. And we're going to see that. So how does Satan attack the church? False teaching is one way that he attacks the church. What else? Doubt. Doubt. He attacks the church with doubt. What else? Deception. Deception. <coughs> Division. Division. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Huh? Okay. Anything else? Just not focusing on the Lord, focusing on other things. Okay. By by keeping the church focused, by not keeping the main thing the main thing. I heard that from here last week. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. I don't care if we move or not. (coughs) Moving has nothing to do with keeping the main thing the main thing. Moving is very secondary, albeit exciting, but it's secondary. Okay, let's see if these things line up with Scripture. So let's go to Colossians 2.8. eight. We'll go through some of these Scriptures that are on your hand out there. Colossians 2.8. eight. 
See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Wow. See to it that no one takes you captive. A tactic of the enemy. Taking you captive. How does that work? According to this verse, how does taking you captive work? Through, that's right, hollow and deceptive philosophies. Okay? Which are based on what? Human tradition and basic principles of the world. I love the end of that verse. Rather than, that's almost like, therefore, <laughs> rather than on Christ. You see that anything outside of Christ, anything outside of Christ, is rooted in what? And comes from where? You see, it can be very subtle, can it? Any human traditions that have entered your spiritual life? You don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> I mean, any human traditions that have entered into your spiritual life? Mm. Any unbiblical philosophies? Are some of the things that you believe, or have they come from things that you have read that are... Not biblical? Because on what basis do you believe what you believe? And if you believe those things that have no biblical precedence, where did it come from according to the scriptures that we've already read and according to the names of Satan and their meaning? From him. Because the entire world has come. Does it give you an idea of... Okay, listen. Remember, we've got to take it personal. Hard teaching. Sin. We're all sinners. Every single one of us. And we will be until we take our last breath. Okay? Where does sin come from? What is the root of sin? Evil. Deception. Fall. I mean, we could go on and on with that list, couldn't we? We know where it comes from, don't we? We're influenced by that, aren't we? Because it's in the world, isn't it? It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. If you do it, you can ask for forgiveness even. I mean, it, it comes in all kinds of sizes and shapes and colors and forms, doesn't it? And justifications and, I mean, you name it. You name it. But what's the root? This is the person we can't use his name. <laughs> okay. It can be defined very easily. Anything that is not aligned with God's truth is sin. Anything that is not aligned with God's truth is of the evil one, I would say. Deception. It is deception. And so we just read Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. And so Sally said, what about false teaching? The only way you're going to know it's false is if you know the words, do you have something to compare it to? Rather than on Christ, rather than on biblical truth, rather, I mean, where do you stand? You get what's happening in the church? 